If you were to read a tombstone, there would be a few striking elements. You'd see the name of the person, maybe a short sentence describing their life, a birth date, and the date of their passing. Separating those two numbers rests a significant symbol, the dash. The dash represents the accomplishments, the influence, the impact that a person leaves while they're here with us. Have you ever considered how to live your dash right? Well, that's the focus of this message by Senior Pastor Jeffrey Smith entitled The Dash, Make It Matter. We pray it encourages and builds you up. Enjoy this message from the City of Life Church podcast. I'm gonna talk to you today, brand new series we're starting called The Dash, Make It Matter. Father, thank you so much for your presence, for your goodness, for your love. Why will the latter be greater? As we were singing in that song. The answer to that, God, is in the fact that the more we serve you, the more faithful you are to us to take care of our needs every day. The more seed that we sow in the kingdom is the more crops that we see grow from heaven in the kingdom in our life. So the latter is greater because as we continue our journey into your faithfulness, it's always more and more faithfulness along that journey. And we can expect more in the future, God, as we continue to be faithful to you, you're going to overwhelm us with your goodness. I pray that everyone that is in this room today who has a heavy heart, they'd receive your love and mercy and compassion and peace. Lord, I pray for people that are sick, that they'd be healed right now in Jesus' name. We celebrate all the big moments of life that are happening all over the room, people that are going through high moments on, the, on a mountaintop. Uh, Lord, that we would just give you all the glory for it and you'd be with us in our ups and downs, in the valleys, in the mountains, uh, and give revelation through this message today. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen. The dash. What is the dash? Well, to uh, kind of illustrate this idea, I'm going to do something a little bit unusual. I'm going to ask everyone in the room, if you have a phone, to take your phone out uh, right now and look at your phone. Uh, take your phone out and turn on your calculator program. You're probably going to need your calculator for this. Okay? If you don't have a phone, then you're just going to have to do some old school multiplication uh, on a piece of paper or something like that. It'd probably be a little easier with a calculator. So take your phones out uh, and... This will kind of help us get there to illustrate a general point that I want to dig in today as we define what this series, The Dash, is, make it matter. So here we go. The first thing I want you to do on the calculator is to put your age. Now, don't let anyone see if you don't want to know, if you don't want them to know what your age is. So put your age on there. Now do your age times 365. Your age times 365. Okay? So does everyone have that number? If you do, say glory. Get that old school church word back in here today. Okay, so you got, you got that number. Now, take that number, and I want you to either remember it or copy it or, or write it down in your notes program. But you have to remember that number exactly, or this next part is not going to work very well. Okay, so you have to either write it down Put it in your notes. Make sure that you, you know that number exactly. Okay? So once you've got that number, say hallelujah. Okay, you got to put that little J in there. Okay, because la presencia del Señor está aquí a este momento. Amén. 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 Yo quiero predicar en español. Pero necesito mucho practicar. Amén. 
Okay, so you got that number. Now what I want you to do is clear your calculator. So clear it. And type the number 27,375. Okay, when you've got that number in there, say, you go, Pastor. I'm feeling encouraged right now. Okay, so now once you got that number, put minus the number that I told you to remember. Okay, equals, okay. Now whatever number you're staring at, I just want to... Qualify this real quick. Maybe some of you made a mistake, so don't freak out at what I'm about to tell you. But the number that you are staring at is according to statistics, according to the average lifespan of a person in the United States, according to statistics, that's how many days that you have left to live, according to statistics. Now, if you're looking at it and going, wait a second, mine says minus two. Well, you're in the bonus area. So let me just encourage you real quick. (laughs) I'm real quick before you're like, this is the worst series I've ever heard. Okay, so real quick, before you get depressed, before you get depressed, I hope everybody in this room lives to be 110 years old, okay? I, 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 I pray in Jesus' name we make wise choices. What is the dash? What is the dash? Okay, every one of us has a birthday. Typically, when you read someone's gravestone, it'll say their birthday. And then it says the last day that they were here on this earth. And what's in between those two numbers? There's a dash. So that dash in the middle is you. It's the life that you've lived. It's the impression that you have left. It's the legacy that you have left. And in a greater kingdom sense, it's all you will ever be able to do for God is defined in that dash. Now, we're not going to let statistics define what our future looks like. I gave you that number because, and I talked with my staff, you know, about the series we were planning. I was like, guys, if I use that if I use that analogy, people are going to get bummed out. I don't want it to be like this, you know, this morbid sort of way to start the whole thing. But then we thought, as we were talking about it, we thought, but how can you talk about the dash without reminding everyone that none of us know the day or the hour that's going to be the last day that we live on this planet? There's no way to know that. You can be the healthiest, most cautious person in the world, and a meteor could fall on your head. I mean, I find it so sad that the guy that invented the Atkins diet, like Dr. Atkins, who, you know, that sort of turned into the keto thing, like the the concept about a low-carb thing. He invented that. So this guy ate healthy. He, like, had a a way of eating that revolutionized the whole world, and he tripped on a sidewalk and died, like, on a sidewalk many, many, many years ago. So, like, like, something that was completely unrelated, doing everything he could to help himself be healthy, to help other people. So some of the healthiest people you've ever seen just die. And some people that are righteous and that do great things for God and love Jesus, 
they're taken away too soon. And then you've got some people that are just like the meanest, cussing, smoking, fighting. They'll cuss you out. They're, the, they're like 100 years. They just won't die. They just keep living over and over and over again. Like, you know, some of those people like your neighbor down the street that flicks you off for driving anywhere near his front yard. It's like, so my point, my point is not all of the, it's not all the fringe things that are on the outside that are not really indicative of, of what's normal. My point is that the, the, certainly there, there are situations where people's life gets cut short too soon. Some people that are rude and mean and they've seen out, they live on and on and on. What I'm trying to tell you is that the Bible teaches us that there is a pivotal day of our life that changes everything. And Jesus taught this to a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to Jesus and asked him, how can I be a part of the kingdom? What you're doing is like nothing I've ever seen. What do I have to do? And Jesus said something to him that theologically is so powerful. If we can wrap our minds around this. When you're talking about the dash, what does your dash look like? Well, number one, there's a way to redefine the dash. And I think that before I tell you exactly what Jesus said, I want to point out that a guy named Ernest T. Campbell, who was a minister in 1970, preached a very powerful sermon. And he said something that is often misquoted and attributed to Mark Twain, who didn't say it. He, in fact, said it. But people put Mark Twain's name by it. But he said the two most important days in a person's life are the day that he was born and the day that he discovers why. So what Jesus was talking to Nicodemus about is how you really discover why you were born. And what he told Nicodemus is this. And Nicodemus was a Pharisee. So that means that he knew the Jewish religion better than anybody. He memorized the Bible. He had the whole thing memorized. He knew all the laws, knew all the rules. And he's trying to figure out how do I live this Jesus kind of life? And Jesus said, Nicodemus, here's what you got to do, man. You got to be born again. Somebody say born again. The sad part of the phrase born again is it has been used so many times that it has almost sort of become a meme of like what it really means to be revitalized and have a new life in Christ. It's like used to describe weird people. Like uh, instead of being something that's just like full of meaning and hope, it's like, you know, you see your old friend from high school and it's like, it's like, hey, Tom, how you been, man? I haven't seen you in about 20 years. What happened to our old friend, Bill? Well, Bill became an accountant. He makes a lot of money. He's doing, doing real well. Well, how about uh, Jim Bob, who we used to hang out? Well, he got 14 kids, and he's down working on the ranch still. He's great. Well, how about your friend Ted? Well, Ted is born again. <laughs> it's like, it's like Ted, he, or, or they say he's a born again. Like, like born again has become this thing that's sort of like almost like a derogatory kind of term about Christians. Oh, my gosh, Jeff Smith is a born again. Uh, he's a born-again Christian. Uh, and it's sort of like the, you know, the, 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 like the quote marks are up in the air. Like he's a, he's a born-again. And this completely takes the value out of what Jesus is trying to explain to Nicodemus. Let me ask you a question real quick. How many people in this room remember the moment that you got born again? Raise your hand if you remember the moment that you got born again. Does anybody in the room remember the date of when you got born again? Does anyone remember the actual date? What was the date you were born again in, in the green? Come on, let's give the Lord praise. Anybody else? Anybody else remember the date you were born again? What day were you born again? 
Say it again. She remembers the exact date in 1977. Come on, let's give the Lord a praise. Some guy in the last service said, I was born again on 10, 10, 10. I said, how convenient. Like, that's amazing. Like, that's, I would have so much trouble remembering anything other than that. That's like the perfect number. It's so fantastic. Like, you can't do that anymore. You know, like, like numbers-wise, we sort of run out of cool dates. Like, it's 19. There's no 19th month. You know, that's sort of a problem. So that's, he, he, he kind of owns the market on that particular thing. But, like, being born again, what Jesus was trying to say is being born again is your new birthday. You have the day that you were born, and you have the day that you were born again. Now, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus... I've got to tell you something. This whole series about the dash is really designed to help us live the best life that we can possibly live, to maximize our time, to maximize our potential. But you can't even begin to understand that life if you're not born again. So what Jesus was talking about to Nicodemus, after we know Jesus, life changes. Everything changes. Everything that used to be important to us before Christ, it does not have value anymore. And everything kingdom-wise that Jesus brings to the table, it's a transformational thing where the Bible uh, prophesied of us. It says, I'll take out of you a heart of stone and I'll replace it with a heart of flesh. God softens our heart. He creates in us a brand new, a clean heart. So today... If you want to make sure that the dash matters the most in your life, the first thing you have to do is you've got to get born again. You've got to give your heart to Jesus. You've got to start over. Look at someone next to you and say, I believe in do-overs. That's exactly what you get when you get born again. You start from scratch. See, my text scripture, Psalm chapter 91, it says this. It says, he shall call upon me, I'll answer him, I'll be with him in trouble, I'll deliver him and I'll honor him. Listen to this next part. With long life, I will satisfy him. Wow, that's a powerful promise. It's God looking at someone that loves him and saying, I will satisfy him with long life. It means that righteousness and long life are intertwined. If you want to live a long life, then you need to honor and love and worship and respect God. But look at a different scripture. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 27 says, the fear of the Lord adds length to life. That's, that's a godly fear. That means an honor and a respect for the Lord. Notice that it doesn't say low sugar Oreos adds length. Why would anyone want those? So you can eat six of them? Just eat three double stuff. It's a lot better. I've tried it. So it says the fear of the Lord adds length to life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. Mmm. Interesting. Cut short means that there was an intended amount of time and the wickedness, the behavior of... The, you say, well, what about grace? It's got nothing to do with grace. In this sense, grace is a spiritual thing, but there's a natural way of living that can cut short your life. Who wants to live a long life? 
I want to make sure that whatever number that I came up with, which that number is not as big as it was the first time I used this analogy a few years ago. I'm a little frustrated by that. But I want to make sure that whatever's on there, that there's more than the average. I want to live a longer life uh, than is expected of me. But we can do things in life that cut short our days. There are ways of living that cut short our days. Okay, so you say, well, what kind of things can cut short my days? Well, ridiculous wild living can do it. Just flat out, you know, sleeping around. There's, there's repercussions for that. Drinking, smoking excessively, partying, going over the top, not sleeping well, bad eating. All, all these things are things that can ultimately contribute to a shorter life. So they're just things that are not wise. It's not using wisdom in your life. But did you know that also spiritual foolishness can contribute to a shorter life? 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27 through 31 says, Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. So Christians who do not properly respect the body of Jesus that was shed for us, that was broken for us, that suffered for us, as Isaiah 53 and 5 said, wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, with his stripes we are healed. When we don't recognize his body appropriately, or we don't recognize the blood that he shed for us, listen to what it says. It says, so everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat of the drink without, eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, and eat, they eat and drink judgment on themselves. It says, this is why many are weak and sick, and a number of you have died. It's saying people actually die. Listen, Christians, people die early because they don't understand the body of Christ was given for me so I can have healing through Jesus. Essentially what it's saying is it's like having a, a fire in your living room and you've got a fire extinguisher on the wall, and you're going, oh, there's a fire. <laughs> you're going, oh, what's this thing? You know, you, I mean, it's like, it's like, get the thing off the wall and put the fire out, amen? Yeah. Jesus' body, he was, he was wounded for our transgressions. Why? So we can be healed. Yeah. So when you're sick and you're sitting there going, oh, what am I going to do? The, use the fire extinguisher. The body of Christ, it's saying that we fail to recognize the power in the body and in the blood of Jesus. And it causes many of us to be sick and weak. And many people prematurely die because we're too spiritually naive. Look at someone next to you and say, let's grow up together. Paul talks about there's times for childish things. You know, as Christians, there's a season of our life of immaturity where we can get away with not understanding spiritual things. But there comes a time in our life where it's time to mature and grow up. I don't want to have my days cut short because I don't respect the body of Jesus. I don't want to have my days cut short because I don't respect the blood of Jesus. But you know what's interesting? So there's some, there's some spiritual things that can detract from our life. There's some natural things that can detract from our life. There's spiritual things that can add to our life, like properly discerning the body and the blood. But there's also natural things that can add to our life. I found a, 
a study on lifespan to be very interesting where this group of researchers found this place very close to the coast of Italy where the people lived the longest in the world. More people lived to the age of 100 there than any other place on the entire planet. And did you know what they found was the primary cause of them living long? It wasn't their diet. It wasn't whether or not they drank or smoked. You know what's interesting? It actually wasn't even how obese they were. It, ha- it didn't have any, that much to do with, with their, their weight, how much weight they had, or how good shape they were in, even if they were in good cardiovascular shape. Did you know what the number one indicator that separated these people that lived the longest from any other group of people that they studied is the fact that almost everyone in that community had a deep sense of personal relationship with other people that were in their culture. They were connected with human beings, and they had value and a place in the community. You say, but I sit in my room and play video games for 12 hours a day. You're probably in trouble. (laughs) Okay. Statistically, statistically, you need people in your life. You need people in your life. According to this, that's why the church is so important. Not just for attending, but for building relationships. The church is supposed to be the model of the place that we come together as believers and we have community together. We can lift each other up when we're going through a tough time. Go to lunch with a buddy that's struggling and go, hey, man, what are you going through? Oh, man, I'm struggling with this. I'm the, oh, well, I'm here for you, buddy. I'm, and and there's a, there is so much power in this. Listen, we need human interaction. We need to be around people. Did you know? Look at someone next to you and take your finger and touch their fingertip like you're Elliot and E.T. Now look at them in the face and go, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't do that. that. That could be super creepy. But did you know that your hemoglobin levels go up when you touch a person? That something actually physically, scientifically happens When you touch a person, there's something that happens in our life. That's why it's important to hug. That's why it's important to give a handshake. That's why it's important for us to just love each other. Church is really important Uh, to to be around people and to show affection. Isn't it terrible when you go to church, you're like, hey, what's up? And they give you the side hug. You ever done that before? It's like they stick their rear end out like this. It's like, what are you doing? That's gross. You just tried to hug me with your rear end. It's like, that's not a hug right there. Don't. It's like, hug me. It's like, it's trying to be nice here, you know? But, but Elizabeth Redke, a neuroscientist at the University of Maryland, has recently done some studies that show the differences between what goes on in our brains during an interaction with a person as opposed to what goes on in our brains with a digital interaction. So what she did is she studied two sets of people. One, there were two people that were in an MRI, and one was talking to the other one. They're studying the brain as this is happening. One was telling the other one some stuff about a particular subject, and they were looking at the brain activity of the person that was being spoken to. Then... They had a person in another MRI that was watching the same exact information being given to them on YouTube. Do you know what those studies found? That the person that was being talked to by a human being, there were parts of the brain that were firing and just exploding all over the place. 
uh, with, with adrenaline, with endorphins, all kinds of different emotions were happening, and that part of the brain was completely dead when they were watching that YouTube video. Why? A human being. There's something so powerful about community, about building relationships with people, human interaction. So the greatest predictor of long life is actually not food, it's not drink, it's not even necessarily exercise according to this study. It's long-term, deep relationships, which is exactly what the church is supposed to have. Long-term, deep relationships. So, week one, my goal in the dash is not to have you go home you know, depressed. It's not to have you tweeting, my pastor still got 10 days to live. You know, uh, no, no, you don't have 10 days to live. That's not the point. That's not the point. I, ho- I hope each one of us realizes that that number is just an arbitrary number. It's nothing more than a, just a statistic. The question I have for you is, are you living for Jesus today? Are you living for Jesus today? Matthew chapter 16 says, what good would it be for someone to gain the whole world and to lose their soul? That question is so powerful. What good would it be for me to live to 100 and to have wealth and to have all these amazing things in life? If somebody lives to 100 and has, you know, they're on the cover of magazines and they've got, you know, like a hot wife, it's like 50 or something. And they've got like yachts and, uh, you know, houses and all this stuff. What good does it do for that person to have everything on earth and to be a nobody in heaven. And then on the other side, what, what about people who maybe their life gets cut short? They don't live a long life, but the life they did live, they lived for Jesus and they lived it well. You can be a nobody on earth, but be famous in heaven. See, that's the other side. I want to make sure that you're famous in heaven. I want to make sure that you're living for something else. You're not living for what everyone else is living for on this planet. The most important thing is that you're living for Jesus. Why? Because 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, Paul says, For we all must appear before, listen to this word, the judgment seat of Christ. Somebody say judgment. That each one of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now, I could teach a whole series on the judgment seat of Christ as opposed to the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment is a judgment for unbelievers where they will go to hell. Hell is an actual real place. And I've got news for you. Jesus talked about hell. Look it up for yourself. I'm not making this up way more than he talked about heaven. Look at all the scriptures that Jesus talked about heaven and hell. He talked about hell way more. He said it's a place where there's weeping, there's gnashing of teeth, there's worms, there's maggots. It's like Gehenna, which is a burning trash heap. It's it's just the worst. You, You can't even leave there for one second to even warn your relatives about it, Jesus said. He goes into detail about hell. The great white throne judgment is a judgment for unbelievers that are going to be go to hell. Okay, But what Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, is he said, for we, all of us that know Christ, we must appear before a different judgment. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. And we have to give an account of everything that we have ever done in our life since our spiritual birthday. Since our spiritual birthday, we got to give an account of everything we've ever done. 
Are you proud of everything that you've done since your spiritual birthday? I know I could have done a much better job. I want to do a much better job. To make sure that the dash matters. Did you know I only get one shot in this life? I only get one chance to position myself eternally. This life that you live, once you move on to heaven, and I hope heaven is where you go, but you will not go to heaven if you don't know Jesus. That's what the Bible says. You cannot, you cannot get to heaven. You cannot get to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. The Father is in heaven. position myself in heaven eternally by this life I live, by the dash. So I've got to make it matter. And you know what? You're not racing against the person sitting next to you. This is not a race of achievement on who can achieve the most. Do you know what you're racing against? The way I'll explain it is like this, and I don't know how many people will know this, but how many people have ever heard of a video game called Mario Kart? Okay, Mario Kart, I love Mario Kart. Especially like the old school Mario Kart, like 25 years ago, like on the old Nintendo. Like I used to crush everyone at this game. And I would just like smack talk and be like, yeah, what's up? You know, like I just love playing Mario Kart, so much fun. I thought I was great at Mario Kart until they finally released a version that you could go online. And you could play against all the players in the world. And did you know that there was a version online where you could race against a transparent ghost of the number one player in the world. I'm talking about the greatest time in the history of the game. And when it said start, you would see his little ghost going out in front of you. You'd be like, how did he get in front of me? And then he would take shortcuts and go places. And like in the first 15 seconds, he's already so far away from you, you can never catch him because he's just so good. It was extremely discouraging. Did you know that you're not in a race against the person sitting, next, person sitting next to you. You are in a race against the ghost of your God-given potential that you were meant to fulfill on this earth. You are in a race against the ghost. Every day when you wake up, you should see that ghost of you, of everything God has called you to do. Where would I be? What turn would I be on right now if I would have woke up with my hands up in the air saying, God, thank you for this day? How far along the track would I be if last night at the gas station I would have said to that guy that was sitting next to me with his hand on his head, if I said, hey, man, are you okay? Can I pray for you? What would my life look like if I really lived a life of generosity? That's what you're racing against. And you know what? That's what you will give an account to to God. Because when you stand before him, it will say, this is the potential that I had for your life. What will your answer be? The most important lesson in part one of the dash is making sure, and, and I just want to say this, I wanted week one to be about salvation. I want it to be us taking this seriously. The most important part of week one is making sure that the dash doesn't just point toward your last day on earth. The most important part of this day is making sure that your dash points toward your first day in heaven. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I want you to get your heart right with God. If you're here and you do know Jesus, I just want to 
throw this out here. I don't know what's going to happen with life. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I know that I trust God with my life. Certainly, bad things happen to good people. And when tragedies happen in the world, and all these Christians that honestly are really mean, try to go, see, that's God's judgment on this nation. That's God's judgment on this people. First of all, I hate when Wikilogians try to act like they know everything about the Bible when they haven't actually read it. Because somebody came up to Jesus and asked him his opinion on people that were slaughtered in the temple while worshiping. And Jesus talked about that. And he also brought up another incident where a tower fell on some people. And his point was, do you think that it fell on them because they were bad? He goes, no, it, it, was not, it didn't fall on them because they were bad or they were good. It's just part of life. It rains on the just and the unjust alike. So Jesus settled that debate right now. Bad things simply happen sometimes. Some people's lives are cut short. We don't understand why. I could live my last day tomorrow. I want to live to be 100 just like everybody in this room. But I could live my last day tomorrow. But I got news for you. Nothing is able to cut short the destiny that I have on my life when I live every single day to the best of my ability for Jesus. Nothing can take it away. That's why Paul said nothing is able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Not death, not life, not things past, not things present, not angels, nor demons, neither death. Any other thing is able to separate us from that love. Nothing can take us away from our purpose. When our purpose is in Jesus, so make it matter today. Make it matter today. Thanks for listening to this message from the City of Life Church podcast. On a weekly basis, you can tune in to experience challenging, encouraging, and life-changing messages from the City of Life Church pastoral team. If these messages have blessed you in any way, we ask that you consider partnering with us through generosity. Your generosity enables us to bless our community with events like I Love My City and our upcoming special needs Easter egg hunt. You can give by heading to col.tv slash give. We thank you for moving the kingdom forward and we'll see you next week.